Welcome to Minter Dialogue, episode number 71. This interview, recorded on August 22nd, 2013, is with Thibault Villet, co-founder and CEO of Glamour Sales China, a luxury flash sale site and part of the Glamour Sales Group. Having met Thibault in Shanghai this summer, we recorded this show to talk about the Glamour Sales business model and some of their keys to success in a market where e-commerce is growing very rapidly. We also discussed the differences of the Asian market online versus Europe and North America. It's a fascinating market. I hope you'll enjoy the show. Welcome to the Minter Dialogue Internet Show, where we discuss brand marketing with a focus on all things digital. I am Minter Dial, author of TheMindset.com, that's T-H-E-M-Y-N-D-S-E-T, where branding gets personal. You'll find the show notes on the blog for the upcoming interview. Let's cut to the quick. Enjoy the show. Hello, and today we have, I have piped directly in from Shanghai, China, uh, thanks to Skype, uh, Thibaut Villet, who is a, an ex from L'Oreal like myself. So Thibaut, tell us who you are and what you're up to in Shanghai. So, uh, hi, I'm, uh, I'm Thibaut Villet, and I'm the uh, current CEO of Glamour Sales China, uh, I've been in Asia for 15 years, uh, working, as you mentioned, for L'Oreal, but also for Coach, the American handbags brand. And uh, I co-founded Glamour Sales China in 2009. Uh, we are a pan-Asian private sales e-commerce company that operates uh, in both Japan and China. Uh, and our business model is to sell uh, branded products, mostly in fashion, lifestyle, and beauty, uh, at a discount price to our members. Um, we operate uh, through now two countries with about uh, 5 million members if we aggregate both countries and we are uh, proudly working exclusively with brands or their official distributors uh, without any parallel sourcing, uh, which means that uh, we ensure our customer uh, that they have access to uh, eligible, legitimate brands and, and products. Um, the other thing I want to mention is that we have uh, partners with several successful uh, financial and strategic partners and uh, in 2012 we welcomed the Neiman Marcus Group as uh, one of our strategic investors. Great. Well, we'll get into that afterwards. So um, you've got I mean, well over a thousand brands you're partnering with or who are, you know, have chosen to work and sell through you guys. What is, what is your criteria for selection? I mean, at the base of my question, I'm thinking of what is luxury? Well, our vision was very simple. Uh, we wanted to uh, define a luxury as uh, brands which have a limited distribution, uh, a very high quality uh, and great ethics, and uh, which for us were uh, fashionable because the name Glamour Sales means that we are looking for uh, glamorous brands and glamorous products. Therefore, uh, we consider uh, luxury brands uh, like the traditional luxury, for example, Todd's, Dolce Gabbana, Armani, but we also consider for markets like uh, China or Japan, uh, brands like Havaianas or brands like uh, uh, some cosmetic brands as being a luxury because for those markets, um, the target audience who can afford those products and pay four to ten times more than the uh, normal product price for, uh, for a simple brand, we consider that those target audience are uh, more educated, sophisticated, and are part of what we call a luxury target audience. If you look at the five million members you have between China and Japan, 
Do you see any difference in the way that they approach uh, and value luxury brands? Yeah, because both markets are very different. Uh, the Japanese market uh, is a market that has been uh, customized to luxury for already 20 years. And uh, our customers in Japan are actually uh, looking for a mix of uh, international brands, but also a lot of local brands. Uh, our customers in Japan are also uh, a bit more mature in terms of age and are a bit more feminine in terms of, of gender. Uh, and they are very uh, demanding in terms of uh, the features of the product, the style, uh, and so on. Our, our Chinese customers are more in a, a discovery phase, uh, and our, our, our customers are, are more broad and, and different. We, we have uh, tier one customers, those living in Shanghai, Beijing, Guangzhou, which are already pretty educated with luxury brands, uh, and they're looking for new products, niche products, which are not yet in China. Uh, customers in tier two or tier three cities are looking more for uh, brand names that uh, would reassure them, and they're looking more for uh, for, for value. Uh, but also across the, uh, the genders, we have um, a more diversified gender base in, in China with a uh, about 30% of our customers being male, and uh, we have also a, a more diversified uh, sc scope of, of age, having customers from, from 20 to, to 50 years old in, in China. So um, we, we, we see differences. We, we see differences also in the, the way they, are, they consume. Uh, the Chinese customer could spend from uh, um, uh, 30 US dollars to 10,000 US dollars, whereas our, our Japanese customers spend more between... Uh, uh, 50 to, 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 to 1,000 US dollars. So, yes, definitely we see a lot of differences. Mm. Well, I mean, I asked the question because, of course, if you're living in Paris or London and you're in luxury, uh, a huge part of your clientele is, has always been Japanese and is more and more Chinese. So there's this sole, you know, the, the, the Asian uh, tiger for luxury is, uh, is obviously a, con a common and regular conversation over here. When when we um, when you, when we were thinking about these customers in luxury, what kind of services do they require that you that surprise you or or you think are absolutely sine qua non? And especially if it's different from what a luxury customer might be expecting or wanting in Europe or in America. Well, in, in China, uh, lots of customers uh, actually are discovering luxury through online because although luxury brands are aggressively, aggressively expanding their physical distribution, uh, the ones that have the broadest distribution would cover a maximum uh, 50, 60 cities uh, through e-commerce where I have customer across 1,000 cities in China. So uh, for, for customers living outside of the big mainstream cities, uh, probably they would come across those luxury brands for the first time through online. Therefore, uh, there is a, a search for first information, information about uh, why is this brand a luxurious brand? What is the heritage and craftsmanship? What uh, makes those products uh, unique and, and so expensive? Uh, so the search for information is, is very, very important. Then, obviously, uh, because of the price points, uh, there is a, a very, very strong demand for high quality. Uh, but also the way the brand and the products are presented in terms of the, the creativity, 
uh, and the information we provide to those customers is very important. So Chinese people are very demanding in terms of uh, uh, copywriting, uh, mix and match, uh, and, and, and information as well as to how to use the product, after-sales care, and so on and so on. Yeah. So the point I want to make here is that the service uh, as a whole um, is not only about the customer service and the return and the way you, you, you handle the uh, traditional uh, after-sales part, but it's also through the, the web pages, through the pictures, through the copywriting, through the, the marketing, um, it's very, very important to, to reinforce uh, all those points, which is very different from what you have in America where, or in Europe, where usually the brands would like just to, to show the products and, and, and push the audience to have a, without, with a minimum number of clicks, uh, make the purchase. Mm. And then, of course, there's the issue of counterfeit. But what you're saying sounds more like a more mature market where they're looking for the, the bigger picture, the storytelling, the, uh, you know, the history of the brands. And, and, and that's maybe the marketers in, in e-commerce have gone a little bit too shortcut in the, in the U.S. or the more developed markets um, in terms of exposing the brand. Yeah, I, I do agree that uh, customers, when they, they go online nowadays, they, they want to get all these informations because, generally speaking, those customers in China are very thirsty for information, for, for new things. And before making the decision, they will uh, be reading a lot, comparing a lot, and also asking and interacting with, with our customer service. Um, so this is very, very important, and uh, contents... Uh, but also the number of, uh, of pictures, the number of information provided, uh, usually in China, is, is, is more than what other uh, countries are, are requesting. Mm. Um, and, and, and this is not so much for me a, a surprise. And, and, and actually lots of brands that uh, cooperate with us are using us not only as a channel to, uh, to sell products, but a lot of them are using us as a channel to uh, market themselves and gain brand awareness. And uh, that's one of the reasons why we, we, we cooperate now with over 1,000 brands uh, between the two countries. Mm -hmm. So in, in China, I was just there with you and, and I got to know a little bit more about the market on the inside. E-commerce is exploding. Uh, M-commerce is exploding. And so you have these huge platforms uh, like Alibaba that are, that are there. How, does, how do you manage to make the difference? Because e-commerce has this you know, crazy ability to democratize and everyone can do it. You know, all you have to do is write code kind of thing. What are the kinds of things that you are doing at Glamour Sales to differentiate yourselves in terms of luxury versus you know, basic um, e-commerce platforms? So basically what we do is two things. First of all, we worked a lot on building a brand. And uh, the Glamour Sales brand stands for uh, a platform that offers to smart shoppers uh, unique, uh, affordable, or more, less affordable, but fashionable uh, and or luxury brands um, which, with a high quality. And we work on, on building a, a platform which is first and foremost aspirational and which is consistent. So uh, this goes through uh, all the brand building efforts we have done to promote the brands, using uh, celebrities, using a partnership with the right fashion medias, using um, even VIP customer events where we are focusing on this uh, uh, brand image, but it then translates into 
uh, the website itself, the high quality and creativity of our um, design shootings, uh, as well as integrated marketing campaigns, and also uh, the, the quality of the of the service, which, which starts from uh, uh, the packaging up to uh, the uh, service providers we are using, the call center, and uh, the overall uh, delivery and, 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 and after-sales experience. So we really for work on, on, on the first hand uh, selecting the right products and brands and enhancing the fact that by working directly with the brand partners, we get um, real, genuine products. But to your point, it's not enough because everybody can sell products from the right brands. Uh, what we really focus on is building this uh, unique brand image of Lamont Sales through uh, uh, a unique customer experience. And, uh, and so far in China, we have been able to, to loyalize uh, pretty heavily our, our buyers because we, we, we managed to get uh, close to 50% repurchase rate, uh, which is a very good figure compared to uh, the industry average. It certainly is. All right, so you guys are flash sales, and um, and so I'm going to assume that email is your biggest business driver. Uh, can you talk us through how you drive the business? Well, obviously, uh, email uh, has been the primary uh, driver to drive the business. Uh, however, China is a pretty uh, competitive market, and uh, while email remains important, uh, we have to leverage all the different uh, marketing uh, strategies, and we also uh, leverage, obviously, search, advertising, uh, social medias, uh, member get members, uh, partnerships, affiliation, uh, SMS, and, and now more and more. Uh, the social medias, our own social medias being uh, Weibo, which is the equivalent of of, of, of Facebook or, or, or Weixing, which is a, a new powerful social media here. Uh, so it's not only one single uh, driver, and, um, and, and, and EDM remains popular and, and important for your, your VIP customers, but uh, uh, you cannot only rely on, on this uh, media and um, you need to find the right recipe and, and adjust the recipe as, as business evolves. So just on a practical level, um, you're sending out generally one email a day. I mean, one uh, you have one hit hour every, every day. And then how many different varieties of emails are you sending out? Well, we, we are moving actually uh, towards what we call personalization. So uh, we used to have uh, a basic segmentation with uh, uh, a limited number of groups, and now we're moving towards uh, really personalizing the contents of the emails uh, based on your previous browsing and purchasing experience. So um, we are sending emails based on your uh, expectations in terms of uh, categories you are interested in or uh, purchasing or visit behavior, but we are adding now uh, in each email we send uh, a personalized component which is uh, pushing uh, the relevant brands or products to you and um, uh, we have different different sets of, of, of emails, some of our customers prefer weekly emails, others prefer daily emails and we are constantly uh, refining and optimizing this uh, strategy So, I mean, generally speaking 
I mean, if I think of Gilt, which I know well, they, they send out one email to their, you know, generally speaking, they're looking to drive one email a day, which goes out at noon. Do you have, like, in China, is there is, or uh, the best time to send out an email, for example? Um, we have uh, our uh, events starting in the morning at 9 o'clock. Uh, and we're sending our emails uh, in the evening at 12 hours before. Uh, this being said, uh, we're adding now uh, some events in the evening as well, which we found an interesting uh, time for people to shop. And uh, in Japan, we are actually launching all our events at 8 e- uh, o'clock in the evening. So um, according to the countries, we have different patterns, mm. but uh, we follow a similar uh, concept of hitting the market with new and fresh products at the same time uh, every day. And all right, so I, I know you, uh, your site, by the way, it's not available in English, right? It's only in Japanese and Chinese? That's correct. All right. And um, so you got all these different, uh, so Weibo, WeChat, Twitter, Facebook. That's a lot of different elements to be managing. Do you, what, how do you manage on the database side? Because, you know, let's say you have a customer and they have a Twitter account and a Weibo account. Is there, what, how, what progress are you making in terms of consolidating and knowing the one customer? Well, this is uh, the, the focus of the moment of our marketing and IT teams. So together with uh, both teams and external vendors, we have this uh, program which we call internally the single customer view, uh, which is uh, tracking the interaction that the customers have with our different channels. Uh, and by creating a, a single customer ID uh, in our databases and linking uh, the information we have as regards to their behavior, we're step-by-step having this uh, single customer view, uh, despite the challenges uh, that we face in terms of technology. But this is really the the main focus that we have. And uh, for the time being, uh, we are blending uh, the different uh, medias, and we we call it our omni-channel strategy, because uh, we basically operate four platforms between the website, our HTML5 uh, responsive mobile sites, uh, our Android app, and our iPhone app. And we have to play with uh, the different uh, ways to drive traffic to those different platforms and to register uh, where and how our, our customer is, is, is shopping. And very often, our customer could start shopping or browsing in the morning at 9 o'clock in, uh, on an iPhone, uh, then go back to his account uh, on the website during lunch and, and finish in the evening uh, browsing on an iPad. And obviously, uh, following this uh, is, uh, is uh, the current challenge that uh, we are trying to solve. Well, I, in my discussions with a few other companies uh, about this, it, it, it typically comes down to how can we encourage our clients to put all their information together for us because you know you'll have a different email account uh, for twitter you might have a different and especially you know on things like qq where you're going to have at least two accounts in china uh because that's the nature of the game in china uh, are you are you working that way or you're trying to do it passively in other words you take care of it as opposed to having them take care of it um, in China, customers have several identities. You mentioned about uh, multiple email accounts. Uh, you also have uh, Weibo, 
uh, accounts. You also have uh, mobile phones, which are now used a lot for WeChat. So uh, there are several ways for customers to log in from their QQ, Weibo, or uh, their phone number. So um, we're trying to gather all different uh, touch points and uh, creating a, our own uh, GlamourSales ID and, and try to reconnect the dots. So this is the the solution we have taken so far because uh, you don't have only one, uh, let's say, Facebook identity that everybody would use in the U.S. In China here, you have usually multiple identities. And in terms of your database, are you, is that a proprietary database system or, or are you using uh, an open, open uh, market one or a, another one off the shelf? How, how do you so, manage that data? So far, we have built up a, a proprietary system. Uh, run on a software which is an open source software uh, and we also uh, complementary to that work with uh, uh, agencies specialized in uh, uh, hygiene, uh, data cleansing, uh, segmentation, data mining uh, and so on. So it's a, uh, it's a joint effort. Mm, I imagine that. And uh, you mentioned returns a little earlier. I was just curious, um, tell us your what are, what are the returns ratios like if you can tell us and how different they are from China to Japan um, well generally speaking the Chinese market is uh, less uh, loyal than the, the Japanese or, or European markets uh, this being said because of all the efforts and programs and loyalty schemes that we, we have put in place um, we, we managed to get about 50% repurchase rates uh, over a 12 month period and um, it's slightly higher in Japan where we would be at, uh, at 60 uh, but it's for Chinese standards very good um, as regards to uh, the way we, uh, we engage uh, with, with, with our customers we obviously have uh, built uh, a lot of uh, CRM activities and, and, and triggers uh, to encourage uh, the visits and uh, this is very important in Asia, where uh, customers uh, love uh, discounts, promotions, but more importantly, they love recognition and um, uh, establishing uh, VIP programs or VVIP programs uh, with uh, recognition, uh, specific uh, hotline numbers, or specific access, specific access to some. Uh, events uh, is something very important in Asia. And and what about and returns? How what what percentages do you see? You mean about uh, customer sales returns? Yeah, yeah. We we have a pretty uh, healthy return. We are below twenty percent, uh, which compared to uh, markets like the US. Uh, where well, you could have up to 40% for, for, for full-price merchandise, uh, it's still, uh, still, um, still healthy. The, the average industry return in China at the moment for ready-to-wear is about 25, so we are uh, significantly uh, lower. Uh, this being said, we also see that uh, as a consumer is getting more uh, used to buying online, uh, he's also more prone to return products, so... Uh, on some categories uh, like shoes or some specific uh, dresses or, or jeans, you could see uh, uh, that customers are um, uh, returning products more, more easily. So I would say, generally speaking, the market is not, not yet very mature 
in terms of returning products, but uh, consumers are learning fast. And uh, you really need to uh, uh, try to uh, uh, reduce the return rates by uh, providing more relevant information, product information, sizing information, but also uh, having the right customer service uh, answers mm-hmm. on time uh, whenever customers are asking questions. What can you tell us about uh, your sales and profits? Um, I, I can tell you that uh, our sales are growing uh, three digits uh, for four years, and that uh, uh, we have uh, now a clear uh, target date for break-even, which is uh, something we see uh, uh, in a very foreseeable future. And what is the key to getting? I mean, because if you we look at e-commerce and in majority of cases, I mean, of course, from Amazon on, profitability is a hard thing. What do you, what for you, are the key drivers for profitability? So obviously, uh, one of the drivers is size, uh, because you have scale economies when you're reaching uh, some 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 size. But I would say the other one is uh, basically optimizing uh, all our our costs and uh, optimizing the uh, cost of logistics, the cost of uh, marketing, um, as well as uh, all the other costs associated to the business uh, are very important to um, uh, to reach uh, the break-even. Um, the other way is to uh, smartly blend um, a mix of uh, uh, brands where you have uh, uh, an average margin and add some uh, other products which are uh, offering higher margin but you have to do that very carefully in order not to uh, dilute your uh, brand equity and, and overall brand image yeah beautiful Thibaut I really appreciate it it's great to have you on the show um, tell us so who, if anyone listening would like to uh, who, where would you point them in terms of getting in touch with you the company give us a couple of uh, addresses for us well, they can uh, contact me at uh, CEO at glamoursales.com.cm, uh, which is uh, the contact point for, for, for me. And uh, I'm checking those emails on a regular basis. Um, and, and otherwise, you can always uh, search me on LinkedIn and approach me through LinkedIn. Beautiful. Thibaut, thanks again for your time. Uh, great to listen to you. I thought that was really interesting. And I hope the listeners enjoyed it too. Thank you. Take care. Thanks for having listened to this recording of the Minter Dialogue Internet Show. You'll find the show notes on themindset.com, where you can also sign up for my weekly newsletter at forward slash subscribe. If you like the show, please rate it in iTunes, and don't forget to click the handy Facebook like button or to tweet it out. In the meantime, please come join the conversation at The Mindset, or catch me on Twitter at M-D-I-A-L. Happy trails.
Bruce Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar Series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast. 